Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to hear. Together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. And I pray tonight that there will be an impartation of the spirit of faith. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointing of God will be present. Needs will be met. And lives will be supernaturally transformed. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Um, a couple of months, in September, I think so. September, the Lord began to put in my heart the direction for the year that we're about to enter. And um, I think that particular night, I was praying, we were praying with the, when we had the prayer groups, the several prayer times with, you, with the youth, the men, and then the women. But I think that particular day, we were praying together with the women. And the Lord uh, began to impress very strongly in my heart that um, the year 2019 was going to be a year of enlargement. Amen. And um, that's something we want to put ourselves, our faith together um, to receive and to walk in. The scripture that I got that day was Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 20. So we just want to read that and then we get into the word. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 20. The scripture says, And of God he said, Blessed is he who enlarges God. Blessed is he who enlarges God. And I believe that in the year that we're about to enter into, that the Lord is going to enlarge us. He is going to enlarge us. Amen. We are going to experience enlargement on every area of our life. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and it's something you should receive and believe and act on. So, Right now, when I read that scripture, I replace God with my name. Okay. So I say, and of Maxwell, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Maxwell. We believe and we receive that God is going to enlarge us. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? That God is going to enlarge us. He's committed to that. Amen. So, so. So, having heard that from the Lord, we just want to spend time in these three days around the subject of faith. To renew our mind and prepare our heart for that. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. You know, um, it's important that when meetings are called for, that uh, you make yourself available like you've done. And the reason is because when believers gather, there is the anointing of God 
specifically for that meeting. You know, no meeting of God's children is less important. No meeting of God's children is less important. And um, when we are gathered together for the purpose of studying and learning the word of God, you can be sure that there is some transference of grace and spiritual impartation that takes place. You know, most people... Uh, when we have a meeting like this or several meetings and then people say, oh, no, I'm going to get the message and listen to it. It's, 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 it's good and it's brilliant. You should listen to the messages. But it's never like being in the meeting. Okay? It's never like being in the meeting. There is always an added advantage of being part of the gathering of believers. And if there was no added advantage... The Lord will not ask us to neg- not to neglect it, right? It will not be what he says, because he says, do not neglect. If there was no benefit to it, the Lord will not say, he will just say, okay, gather and show up if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're fine with it. But he says, do not neglect. So there is um, an importance in our gathering together. Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, look at this. It says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Look at this word. It says, though you know and are established in the present truth. It says, there are certain things that I don't, I don't want to be negligent about. I will always want to remind you of them. And when we have a faith meeting like this, like we're having in the next um, three days, we are basically reminding ourselves of certain basics that can allow us access and enter into that which God has promised us. Are you following what I'm saying? So it is a reminder. And so some, some of the stories we're going to read will be familiar. Some of the scriptures we're going to read will be familiar. But it's important that we are reminded. If we're not reminded of the basics of these things, we will let them slip. Let me ask you a very simple question. How many of you know the scripture says that you shall have what you say? Let me see your hands. If you know that. That your confession is important. Just three people know that. The rest of you, what do you know? <laughs> how many of you know that wave your hands let me see I want to see you know the Bible says you can have what you say okay but how many of you would agree with me now if I say well let everything you have been saying come to pass now, now somebody saying no no don't don't let not everything some things you come to pass what happened even though you know the scripture says you shall have what you say you have been negligent of that truth by saying what you don't want. Do you agree with me? Come on, talk to me, church. Do you agree with me? So it means we need to remind ourselves that our confessions are bridges for miracles to come to us. Your confession is either bringing miracles to you or it's taking miracles away from you. So we all agree our confessions are important. But then, we say, okay, fine. Let God make all our confessions come to pass. And I say, no, 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 no. Why? Because you have confessed things you don't want to come to pass. So it's important that we remind ourselves. Amen. He says, I want to, I don't want to be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. So in the Christian faith, there is wisdom in reputation. 
Even though you've heard the message again, listen to it again. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. Go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. So what do we do in a faith meeting? We talk about the word of faith. We build our faith up. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So we find out that there is safety in reputation. There is what? Safety in reputation. It says to write the same things to you again is not tedious, but for you it is safe. It's almost like I've heard that message before. It said, no, it's safe for you to listen to it again. You see, there's so much unbelief and wickedness out there that you need to keep yourself under the atmosphere of God's word. You need to keep yourself under the atmosphere of God's word. If not before you know, unbelief and doubt will creep into your heart. Praise God. That's why we separate ourselves to create an atmosphere to hear the word, to be in an atmosphere of the word. He said, the believer must understand that God's word is God's source of victory. God's word is his what? Is the source of victory. For the child of God, there's no other source of victory except what? Except the word of God. Amen. Tell your neighbor God's word is God's source of victory. I didn't hear you. Say God's word is God's source of victory. Amen. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read the whole chapter. Matthew chapter 14. Now I want to encourage you, even though we're using the slides and all the projectors and all the gadgets, just make sure you always come with your Bible and read your Bible. Okay? Read your Bible. Don't just... the when I call a scripture, don't just wait. You know, some of you just chill. Say, don't worry, don't put it there. It's, it's, a, it's a lazy approach to scriptures. Okay? This one is for those who forgot their Bible, for those who are not very... Look at your scriptures. It's important that you look into the perfect law of liberty. Say, they that look into the perfect law of liberty. Okay? So it's important that you read your scriptures. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to 36. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. You know, uh, it is important that the, the, the ministers of the gospel, they remain the moral conscience of a nation. You see, at this particular time, the, the, the prophet John the Baptist had to speak against what the king was doing. Okay? You know, it's amazing that sometimes in our days and in our time, we take our impact from snapping pictures with presidents. You know, when a, when a pastor visits a president, it's like your pastor has broken through. And sometimes it becomes very difficult for us to even speak against the ills of these people because we're friends with them. I'm not saying we cannot be friends with leaders, but it's important that ministers retain the voice of truth to keep the moral conscience of a nation right. 
Are you following what I'm saying? So because that, they kept him in prison. And although he wanted to put him to death, but he fell the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Verse 6. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodas danced before them and pleased Herod. You know, we have two kinds of dancing scriptures that were very fantastic. We had David. When David danced and uh, the wife laughed at him and she became barren. And we have these Herodas who danced. She danced so much. The king says, what do you want? You know, uh, everything is, how do I put it now? Everything is very spiritual, as it were. You know, people just say, oh, it's just dance. No, it's not just dance. It's more than a dance. Because this dance costs the head of a man. So it's not just dance. And the, the dance of David also, when somebody reacted to it negatively, made the person to be barren. You know, sometimes people can be worshiping God on their own and you can be so self-righteous to look at them like, oh, they're dancing too much. Oh, You know, I know most of you would really dance if people were not there. Am I right? Yeah, you really want to dance. But when you come in and, what would they think? What would they think? If you're still worshiping God by what others think, you still need a lot of freedom. Because what God has done for you he probably has not done for someone else. Amen. When we come into the place of worship, what happens? When we come into the place of worship, we worship God based on what he's done for us. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so this lady danced and you know what kind of dance she danced and Herod was saying, ask anything. How can a woman dance? And you say, ask anything. Verse 7, therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on the platter. What a request. They ask you, you know, they ask you, ask anything. And you say, I want the head of John the Baptist. Because the mother influenced her to ask that. And I'm just wondering, even if your mother asks you to ask for the head of John the Baptist, you're like, what do you want to do with it? Cook it or what? <laughs> and then, so, verse 9, And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. The king had to keep his words. The king understood the power of words. He had to keep it. Because the promise he has made. One of the things I'd like to speak with you about is this. Learn to keep your words. I mean, don't promise people that you're going to give them somebody's head if they dance. But when you make promises to people, learn to keep it. It is a virtue of the Christian faith to keep your words. And that is why a wise person will be careful of promises. The problem here was that the king made the promise very emotional. As he was dancing, he said, just ask anything. I never knew what the king was going to ask. Are you following what I'm saying? A child of God must be careful with words. You must be careful with promises. Be careful with the oaths you make. 
That's very important. Verse 10, so he sent and John, and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Verse 12, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. This is where we begin to track. So they told Jesus, you know, they were related. So they told Jesus, John has been beheaded. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a desert place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And here we find Jesus. This is very interesting now. Here we find Jesus hearing that his cousin relation has been beheaded. And he went to a solitary place all by himself. And the citizens heard it and came to him. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Let's, we're going to come back here, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. I want to show you something there. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We're talking about faith. Don't worry, we're building our case. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. One of the things I want you to follow here is that we do not have a God who doesn't have compassion on us. You see, despite, go back to Matthew chapter 14 now, despite what Jesus just heard and what Jesus was going through physically, knowing that someone who was close to him, his relation has been beheaded, the Bible says when he saw the multitudes, what happened? He had compassion on them. You see, one of the things that can make us have faith in God is to know that he is a compassionate God. That is a God who feels our weaknesses. Who understands what we need. And that his grace is available for us in every circumstances of life. Now because he was moved to compassion, what happened? He healed them. Now if you go to Mark, Mark chapter 6 verse 34, you can put that up. If you go to Mark chapter 6 verse 34, Mark gives us a different rendering of this scripture. Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. It, um, Mark says that when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion and he began to teach them many things. He began to teach them many things. When he saw the multitudes, they were like sheep without shepherds. And he began to teach them many things. Now, I want to I emphasize this and this is very important. The starting point of faith in receiving from God starts with listening to his teachings. Listening to his word. A lot of people, uh, a lot of believers, they want to receive from God, but they don't want to hear the teachings of God. They don't want to learn about God. They don't want to learn about the word of God. They just want God to do something for them. The first response to God, listen. If we say that the year that we're going is going to be a year of enlargement, the first thing God will do for you is to start teaching you. Is to start instructing you. And how is God going to teach you? God is going to teach you from his word. 
You see, if you cannot find time for, for God's word, you cannot have time to experience victory. We must learn to begin to carve out ample time for the word of God. When he saw them, the first thing he did was to start teaching them. The gospel, the word of God is the source of faith. The word of God is the source of victory. You see, you cannot have faith just by crying. You cannot have faith just by complaining. I think stuff, I'll tell you this. Sometimes you think, oh, things are not tough, you know, because you're a pastor. You know, everything is going on well for you. That's not true. You find out in the life of Jesus right here, he was ministering from the point where he was already, how will I put it now? He's just gone through a very tough period of his life. The man who, as it were, baptized him into ministry, his relative, was just beheaded. How many of you think that your relative can be beheaded on, Sunday, on Saturday night and on Sunday morning you want to come and preach? You know, but when Jesus was preaching, he wasn't preaching about uh, the beheading of John. There was no mention of it. You see, one of the challenges we have, and you must learn that in your life, when you are going through tough times, do not separate yourself from God. I find that a lot. I find that a lot. When things are tough, when you're going through very tough times in your life, that's not when to stay away. God cannot... Not that God cannot help you. It is easier for God to reach you in the context of the word. When things are tough, find yourself in the house of God. One statement will liberate you. One line or song will come. That's not when to stay away. But I found that it's very common now. And people are going through stuff and they say, well, I just want to stay away from church for a while. I'm like, so where do you want to go? Do you have somewhere else to go? You see, understand this. You cannot help yourself. If you could help yourself, you would have helped yourself. How many of you realize what I'm talking about? We can't help ourselves. We all have to depend on God. And we cannot extract help from God if we're not coming to hear his teachings and listen to his word. Sometimes when I'm trusting God for certain things or things are not going the way I want, you know what I do? I get on my messages. I start listening. Because that's how faith comes. There's no other way. I get on the word of God. I start studying the scriptures. I start reading the word of God. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in the compassion of God. Even though things I'm going through now doesn't make sense. My spirit chooses to believe. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. So he had compassion. And began to teach them. Minister to their spirit. Number two, Matthew 14, 14 now. And heal their sick. The compassion of Jesus impacted on their physical body. God wants us healed. God wants us healed. Listen carefully to me today. Sickness is not the will of God. Amen. As sickness is not what? Is not the will of God. God wants us healed from the crown of our hair to the soles of our feet. God wants us absolutely healed. Healing is a reflection of God's compassion. And listen, we must learn to take authority over sickness. Are you following what I'm saying? 
We, we don't manage it. We don't cope with it. We rebuke it. Whether it's headache, don't explain why you are having headache. Take authority over it. Whether it's stomach ache, don't try to tell yourself it's the weather. Whether you're feeling cold, don't say it's because of the rain. Listen to me. Rebuke sickness from your midst. Don't, don't accept it. Don't start. Let me explain this to you. Don't start saying that there are small sicknesses and there are big ones. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's just small headache. It's just small. No, 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 no. If it's sickness, it's sickness. Deal with it. Even if you're taking drugs, stand in the faith of God's word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. You're so quiet. I said, are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Stand in faith. Don't accept. Train your children to rebuke sickness. Are you following what I'm saying? Even when they come and say, oh, mommy, this is happening to me. First thing you tell them, first thing you tell them, tell them in the name of Jesus, take that thing out of your body, rebuke it. Train them not to accept any form of sickness because the very life of God is in us. Amen. You see, when you start accepting little sickness here and there, you feel, oh, don't worry, it's just stress. I think I'm tired. I think I'm... And you start accepting and you start accepting and you start accepting. I mean... The day the big one lands on you, you discover that there's no faith to resist it. Are you following what I'm saying? So every form of sickness that comes, you say, in the name of Jesus, not my body. I take authority over it. The life of God is at work in me. Praise God forevermore. All right. So Jesus released compassion on them and healed them. So listen to this. God is a compassionate God. He wants your needs met. He wants your spirit fed by his word. He wants your body healed from every form of infirmity. There's nothing like experiencing the healing power of Jesus. It's amazing. There's nothing like experiencing the healing power of Jesus. And that's why I want us to stand together in faith for everyone that is sick. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would receive their total healing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God's will is for us to be sickness free. Praise God. You know, I, I, I remember getting a hold of the word of divine healing and began to spend time on it and meditate on it. And God has been gr gracious to me in this area. God, I can't count with my fingers the times that I've been sick. I can count with my fingers the time. I mean, when I mean sick with, head, with headache, you know. You know, for some of us, we don't even count fever and headache as sickness because they are normal. You say, I know that, Pastor, you don't understand. That's one is not sickness, it's normal. You know, <laughs> I remember one time, one of our uh, kids wasn't feeling fine, so we spoke over them and all that. And then we went to pharmacies to give them something. And then uh, I went there, and, and here was this man. He was buying drugs, and he said uh, there was, what is typhoid fever or something? I said, ah, no, that is very common in Boni that even, he was now saying that even the, 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 the Boni typhoid fever is now resistant to the typhoid fever drugs. And as he was saying that, I saw like four or five people coming in for the fever medicine. And he now told the pharmacist that, you see what I'm saying? This thing is not working for all of us. That is not working for all of us. And I'm like, wow, what a revelation. And before you know, you will gradually buy into that and gradually accept it. 
How many of you know the devil cannot come steal your goods until you open the door? Amen. So you take authority over that. You don't say, this is what happens here. No, in the name of Jesus, not my house. In the name of Jesus, my body is the temple of the living God. Praise the name of the Lord. Because I tell you this, the prosperity that God is bringing your way, you need divine health to enjoy it. I said you need divine health to enjoy it. Praise God. Imagine God blesses you with so much money everywhere. And then they start telling you, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. And you realize with so much money, you can only eat black plantain. It's like, God. <laughs> and this is where you have told yourself that when I get to this age, I will finish all the chicken in this country. They will know that a man called me existed. And then sickness tells you what you cannot eat. But that devil is a liar. In the name of Jesus. In your old age, you're going to walk in divine health. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of God will strengthen your body. You will not be carried. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As your days are, so shall your strength be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every cell of your body will function as God has made it to be. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No organ of your body will fail. No cancerous cell will develop in your body. The compassion of Jesus comes upon you tonight. And you are healed from every infirmity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no space in your body for sickness to take roots. Praise God. You know in those days... You used to hear of certain sickness. You felt it was big men's sickness. Right? You used to hear, oh, this guy had this such and such a disease. You're like, wow. But right now, it's almost like anybody can get anything. It's amazing you even see children suffering from cancer. That can't be God's will. No. A thousand times, no. Do you know God? God is not going to give you children and then take them away from you. God is a good God. I said God is a good God. And so we take authority over that. And we decree that in the name of Jesus, we will live long to see our children's children in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it, 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 it had that compassion on them. And heal their sick. Heal their sick. God is committed to healing us of sicknesses. And I'll tell you something. I mean, I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. Seeking the wisdom of God when you're going through issues. Sometimes we don't know how faith works. Faith is the wisdom of God displayed. I'll just say this as it relates to sickness. All the time, you know, uh, my wife had certain kind of pains on this side of the neck. And we prayed about it, prayed, prayed, trusted God, read scriptures. One of the, one of the ways, and, and this is the way we walk in my house, for instance. If we are believing for something, if it doesn't happen, listen, we're going to get back to God and ask why. It's not a problem with God. I don't, I don't say God didn't answer me. I don't say that because he hears me when I pray. Number two, I don't say uh, my faith did not work. No, faith always works. If it is faith, what will happen? It will work. All right? Now, God's word is tried. Is God's word tried? Yes, seven times. And it's come out perfect. Is God faithful to his word? Talk to me, church. Is God faithful to his word? Will God keep his word? Now, if I don't see the word happening in my life, who's got the problem? Me. Not God. Because God is faithful. God will keep his word. 
So we prayed and all that, and healing was not manifested. We prayed and trusted God, healing was not manifested. We went to the doctor. Uh, they gave all kinds of, in fact, when I, when I knew that we had to pray more, was when we went to the doctor and discovered that she was, the, 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 the person we met to give us medicine at the first time had given us the same medicine, two different uh, names. So when we went to the doctor, the first thing the doctor said, ah, who gave you this one? I said, ah, I said ah, no, you can't be taking these two are the same thing. And you're like, look at the people you met to, to heal you. And then we went back and went back and went back. And after a while, the doctor just said, you know what? Just forget that you have this sickness. Just go and eat and just relax. I'm like, whoa, we've come to the end of the road. You have a sickness. The doctor says, forget that you have it. What the doctor is trying to say in very simple English is, I don't know what's wrong with you. And then we began to pray and began to seek the wisdom of God. And somehow she just realizes that, oh, she makes her hair herself. Okay, so she always bends her hand and makes her hair herself. And because of doing that consistently, that's where the pains here began to develop. And one day she just realized that. And I said, oh, I'm going to stop that for a while. And later, she realized that was the source of it. Now, if that realization did not come, what's going to happen? We say, oh, well, I prayed to God and God did not heal me. Right? I had faith. It doesn't work. Oh, we believed God. We even went to the doctors and God didn't answer the prayer. Now, when you have tried everything, one of the things to do is go before God and say, God, what's the wisdom solution right here? We're going to talk about that when it also comes to divine provision. Some of you have been praying for finances and praying for finances and praying for finances. Sometimes you need to sit and listen to God and say, come on, God, what is the divine solution here? Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? Because faith answers in wisdom. That's what most of us don't realize. You know, most of us, having faith is, I just have faith. I just have faith. I just woke up. There was a bag of money in front of me. Wow. Or, I have faith. I have faith. And somebody just called me and said, now you are now the manager of CBN. All the resources are yours. You know, so our, our walking of faith sometimes looks like it's just this supernatural thing that will happen. But most times, God uses the answers to faith to come your way in form of what? Wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. So sometimes when we're praying and believing God for things and sending things are not coming, I began to say, Lord, what's the wisdom in this situation? And the Lord began to, we began to show me what to do, how to go about it. And you discover that if you apply that wisdom, what's happening? You begin to do what? To experience victory. And we pray for an impartation of wisdom tonight in the name of Jesus. I decree over your life that the wisdom of God will come upon you like never before. And you're going to find solution to those problems that are troubling you in the name of Jesus. And that by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God's wisdom will come upon your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by this wisdom, you're going to reign. By this wisdom, you're going to be prosperous. By this wisdom, you're going to lead a good home. By this wisdom, you're going to excel in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, but Jesus said to them, no verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. 
Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. I want to show you something about the compassion of Jesus. They finish, and the disciples are here saying, man, we don't have food to give to these guys. Man, send them away. But look at the kind of God we serve. But Jesus said to them, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Listen very carefully to what I'm telling you tonight. God cares about your material needs. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen to me. God cares about you being able to pay your house rent. God cares about you being able to pay your school fees. God cares about you being able to take care of your children. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's not, let's not serve God as if he doesn't care about these things. He does care. And that's something I'm beginning to also, of course, there's a point where we have taken faith to just mean material things and all that. But it's almost looking like we are going to the extreme when I hear people say, well, all God cares about is your spirit. Listen to me. If God cares about your spirit, he will care about your body. Are you following what I'm saying? He cared about their spirit, so he taught them the word. He cared about their body, he fed them. It, sorry, he healed them. And he cared about their material needs. What did he do? He gave them food to eat. God cares what we're driving, what we, where we're living. He cares about us having the good life. He didn't start with giving them food. He started with the word. And that's why we need to realign our priorities. We need to know that, listen, God cares about these things, but we're going to put the word of God first. But listen to me. If you are a father here, God cares about providing for you to be able to take care of your family. He cares about that. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? God cares about your material needs. He is a compassionate father. He didn't say, okay, you have heard the message. I've healed your body. Go home. He says, no, give them something to eat. I mean, if it was the disciples alone, church would have closed. But here, Jesus revealed to us the compassion of the father. When he sent them into the wilderness, the Bible says that he did not let them go empty handed. He gave them gold and silver. He made sure there was none feeble on their, uh, uh, amongst them. He rebuked kings for their sake. I just want us to understand that, listen, God cares about your natural needs. It's, it's, it's I mean, I, I can go on and share testimonies about testimonies about testimonies of physical provisions. Physical provisions. Physical provisions. The Lord has granted me immense favor in that area. That he cares about your material needs. Knowing that the Lord cares, you can begin to engage the wisdom of God and say, God, how will this work? But let's read on. Interesting. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them to me here. One of the things I realized from this verse is that God can start you with where you are. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you here with me tonight? Faith is not waiting for that big break. What is faith? What is faith? Faith is bringing that little thing you have before God and allowing the anointing of God to come upon it. Are you following what I'm saying? Faith is not waiting to the day you have millions. Faith is starting with what you have and asking the anointing of God to come upon it. 
Praise God. You know, before we, we started broadcasting on television, and I, I told myself, well, we're going to go on television one day. That's an act of faith. That's trusting God, right? But then I didn't start from like, whoa, let's just go on television. The first thing I did, we got cameras. We got it when they were doing deals, cheap, cheap deals. We got the lightings. And what did I do? I started recording in my house, five minutes on YouTube. What's faith? That's faith. That's faith right there. And what happened? The anointing of increase came upon that and do, did what? Put it on television. That's faith. So faith is not sitting there and say, I'm going to go on TV. I'm going to go on TV. And you're waiting one day. Somebody's just going to come. One million. I say, this is one million. Go on television. Buy cameras. Do this. Do this. No, 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 no. That's not faith. That's the problem we have. We want faith to look like you. there's no preparation. There's no action. There's no wisdom. But you just want faith to work. Faith is not foolishness. You're having faith to have a better year. The first thing is, what do I have? It's not, oh, I'm having faith. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to work in that oil company. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. But faith builds on your faithfulness. Faith builds on what? Your faithfulness. When we started this church, we didn't say, well, we're going to have it. I've heard, I've heard people like that. We have faith. I mean, let's just go and rent an auditorium that can sit 60 million people. They're like, wow, God has promised us. You know, I'll tell you this. Sometimes when you take such ambitious projects in the name of faith and it doesn't happen, it even reduces the little faith you had before you started. Praise God. Learning to take things in small steps is not lack of faith. Rather, it's called the wisdom of faith. Are you following what I'm saying? For instance, you want to plant a church, going to go and rent a 1,000 auditorium, bought um, instruments on credit. You started the church and three people showed up. Praise God. I said, praise God. No. Hallelujah. Faith doesn't make you, you know, Casey Price wrote a book. It says faith and foolish, uh, faith and presumption. Faith does not make you presumptuous. Sometimes even having faith means that you're cutting down on your cost. Are you following what I'm saying? And Jesus says, bring those two loaves to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven... He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. One thing I want to recognize in that verse is listen to this. Even as we're trusting God that next year is going to be a year of enlargement for us, it's also a year where we bring order into our lives. Everybody say order. I want you to say it very loud and clear. Say order. Say it one more time. Say order. Help me tell your neighbor, bring order into your life. Jesus did not say, okay, anywhere, wherever you are standing, okay, we'll just multiply. They will get to you. No, he says, sit down. Learn to be calm about life. He that believes does not make haste. Sit down. You know, some people, are, they're like in faith, but the anxiety in their life is more than those who are not in faith. One thing I've always told everyone around me, time would always work in favor of the man who is in faith. 
there is a there is a way you relax when you are in faith. There is a way you are calm about things when you are in faith. There's, there, there is order in your life. Faith is not the guarantee for disorder. Bring order into your life. Look at what Jesus did. He said, sit down. And then what happened? He took the loaves and gave to the disciples. And then the disciples gave to the multitudes. Order, ranking, order. Bring your life into order. Bring your finances to order. You are believing God. God is going to prosper you. You don't even know how much you have. You don't even know how much you spend. You don't know how much you give. Your finances are in disorder. Yet, you are a man of faith. Praise God. That's not how to walk. Some of you... You need to go and sit down with your own life. Very disorganized. And yet you want God to enlarge you. You know, God will not enlarge this organization. You see, if God is going to enlarge your life, he's going to, what does it mean to enlarge, right? To enlarge actually means to increase what is already there. Am I right? Come on now. Am I right? I, I mean, if I'm going to enlarge this photograph, if, 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 if I'm a picture or whatever, if it's going to be a large, it's just going to pull apart and increase what is already there. If you're disorganized in your finances and 2019 is a year of enlargement, what is God going to enlarge? Your disorganized finances. So instead of wasting 100,000, you now waste 300. Are you sure God is going to answer that? Talk to me now. Are you sure God is going to answer that kind of prayer? No. So what's the first thing you do if it's going to be your year of enlargement? What's the first thing you do? You bring your house in order. Even when people wanted to die, God didn't want them to die disorganized. What did he tell Hezekiah? I'm about to take you. Put your house in order. Don't die and people don't know where your money is. Just let them know. I mean, that scripture put a lot of sense into my head that even when God, <laughs> when somebody wants to die, God doesn't want, to, want them to just, boom. where is he? Ah, he traveled, he didn't come back. No, 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 no. Guy, come back. Put your house in order. Even in death, he asked for order. Put your house in order. We say 2019 is the year of enlargement. Put your spiritual life in order. Put your emotional life in order. You can't be up today, down tomorrow, up the next day, down tomorrow. We can't count on you. Put your house in order. Put your ministry in order. Praise God. As we're planning the Podaka Church, I mean, a couple of people say, oh, they wanted to give to the church. I said, hold on. We've got to put an account strictly for that church. Order. You can't say you are a man of faith and you, I mean, you, no, you have to have order. Things have to be done orderly. Bring your finances to order. Bring your life to order. Bring your goals to order. Bring your career to order. Don't be disorderly. God will not enlarge disorder. If you don't bring your life in order, you will not receive the blessing of God. Why? Because the blessing of God is going to come on what you already have. How many of you know that God did not anoint, did not carry a pig and prayed on the pig for them? What did God pray on? The fish and what? The loaves. Are we together? What is God going to bless in your life? What you already have. And you know the challenge with us, we're going to, we're going to still build on this tomorrow because of our time. 
But you know the problem with us? Most of us want God to bless what we don't have. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, I'm a pastor. I'm pastoring this local church. Where is God going to bless? God is going to bless this local church. I can keep my eyes on one of the biggest churches somewhere and feel like, whoa, that's it, that's it, that's it. But if I'm wise, I'll focus on my local church. Some of you want God to give you what you don't already have. But what you have, he wants to put an anointing of increase on it. He wants to put an anointing of increase on it. There are no small jobs. Whatever job you have right now, in faith, lift it up to God and let the blessing of God come upon it. Are you following what I'm saying? The anointing of increase can come upon the work that you're doing. And that's very important. He blessed the loaves. Gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. God wants to eradicate lack in our lives. He gave them to sufficiency. You see, we must actively believe for the blessing of God. We must actively believe that God wants all of our needs to be met. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at this. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who have eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you know women and children are always more than men. So let's even say they were equal. This was God feeding 10,000 people. Now I want you to just do the mental calculation to feed 10,000 people with bread and fish. You know with the way these guys were hungry. You can't give them only one loaf and one small fish. They'll, re- they'll riot. You know, after sitting down, everybody will stand up. That this sitting down is not helping us. If we sit down like this, this food will not be enough. And there'll be chaos. Now, for everybody to eat and they still had 12 baskets left over, means that everybody was satisfied, right? Because I know you, I mean, how many of you know that if we're all hungry here, and then there are 12 baskets left over. Some people are going to say that 12 basket is not going anywhere. Some people will eat the fish, the loaf, and the basket. But what happened? They had left over. What was God trying to show us? Listen carefully to this statement. Don't ever forget it. Your need will never be more than the abundance that God has. God's abundance will swallow up your need. It doesn't matter. If you're, it doesn't matter what your need is, right? I'll tell you the truth. God's abundance is more than your need. You know, some of us feel, and let me tell you this, it, it, changes, it, it, it changes my life all the time I think about it. You know one of my philosophy in life? If God can bless my brother, it's the same God he can do it for me. Now, if God blesses him, you know what that tells me? It shows me what God can do. So let me give you an example as a pastor. If I see someone pastor in a church that's maybe 2,000 people, I'm just saying now, do you know what that that tells me? That that's a possibility. I don't get angry. I don't get envious. What do I do? I sit down and say, Lord, if that's what you want for me, how do I get it to happen? The blessings of God in other people's life does not stop God's ability to also bless you. Are you following what I'm saying? 
we can, all of us seated here tonight, we can all be blessed extremely and God still has enough left for our children when they come up. How many of you know we'll never exhaust the ocean? Right. We can never exhaust the ocean. We don't know where the waters from the ocean come from, but we never exhaust it. I just want to, 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 to in the next few minutes that we have, like four or five minutes, just, just expand your minds regarding the abundance of God. Remember what I said. Even though we know these things, we're reminding ourselves of them. Let me give you a typical example. Have you ever thought about the fish we eat? How many of you eat fish? I know some of you don't eat, but everyone eats fish. Okay. Victor, you don't eat fish? Okay. <laughs> How many of you have been eating fish? Don't raise your hand, but you've been eating fish for the past 30 years of your life. Okay, maybe you didn't start eating from when you were zero. But some of you, your mother started giving you fish to save her breast milk. So, you started very early. But how many of us know that we've been eating fish for maybe like 30 years? We've been eating fish, right? And how many of you know you still eat fish until you depart the world? And your children are still eating fish. And your grandfathers ate fish before they came. Before you came. And how many of you know there's still more fish for our great-grandchildren? What does that tell you about God? There's abundance. Even you, the fish you have consumed alone, if the fishes were to riot against you, you will be gone. Some of you, even when you go back home tonight, it's the same fish you are going after. I know some of you will eat tonight, so let me just save this one. But what am I trying to say? Listen to me. God and how many, the billions of people in this world, Feasting on just one species of animal. It's never still exhausted. It tells us something about God. Praise God. Let's take beef for instance. <laughs> Man, beef have suffered. Funerals. They, even people die. They don't even know what killed the people. They are the ones that die for it. And here people say, no, I'm going to bury my mother with three cows. Come, gone. Weddings, they are involved. Birthday parties, they are involved. Everything. Animals are dying. <laughs> I said, don't wonder the vegetarians get angry because sometimes when you look at it, but you realize that there's still more. <laughs> what does that tell us about God? An abundant God. Do you know why I gave you those two examples? Because in Matthew chapter 6, the scripture says that if God takes care of the beds of the earth, you have much more value. If God will make provisions for the food we eat to be alive, we have much more value. He can make provisions for our needs. Amen. See, I want you to leave this meeting this evening knowing that God cares about your need. Are you following what I'm saying? He cares about your need. And I know some of you have needs. I mean, some of you are like, Pastor, it's not just need. It's a very serious need. And God is serious about meeting our needs. Amen. Tonight we want to stand up, we want to pray. I want you to just pray for our needs. Praise God. I say praise God. I want to pray for our financial needs. I want to pray for our spiritual needs. I want to pray for our health needs. Let's just be on our faith. We're going to close in like three minutes. Let's just be on our faith. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just for a moment, I don't want us to be in a hurry. Let's just receive everything God has for you. You can just play something in the keyboard. 
Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.